Because throughout the week I've been battling with him and asking questions and having discussions with God. It's one thing to to pray. It's another thing to engage in discussions with God. Amen. Uh, Where you say, God, I, I have come. We need to talk. There's something we have to talk about. I need your audience. Amen. You know it can be done. Yeah, it can be done. Um, many of us have been schooled to think that prayer is all a serious approach, a serious demeanor, where, I mean, you are so serious-faced, you are screaming and you are shouting. But there's a dimension, the Bible says that when Jesus was on the cross, he shouted, my father, my father, why have thou forsaken me? I'm not sure that that level of prayer or engagement on the cross was the same as the one that he prayed in, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because different situations call for different approaches. And that is why for me, throughout this week, I was engaging him on some pertinent issues. And the Lord, in fact, late into the night yesterday, the Lord dropped this message into my heart because um, after going through the whole week, I was asking, what, what, what then do I talk about? And God said, speak on the keys to open doors. Somebody say the keys to open doors. Or come on, say the keys to open doors. Um, by, by way of introduction, I want you to understand that God opens doors but also that the devil opens doors as well. Hallelujah. There are doors in our life that God opens. God is behind it. God opens those doors. God allows us access and entry into those doors and in those places. But there are also doors that the enemy can open. You, you just have to be discerning to know whether this door, it is God that is opening or this door, it is the enemy that is behind it. Amen. Now, discernment is not a feeling. Discernment is a knowing. Are we on the same page? Discernment, tell somebody, discernment is not a feeling. Discernment is a knowing. So the other day, the Shunammite woman said, I perceive that this man is a holy man of God. She discerned to know. Discernment is what is when what you are seeing tallies with the realities of heaven's definition of that situation. So you see a man who is smiling, but he's a wicked person, and you are able to descend beyond the smiles who this person actually is. And this person is actually a wicked person. Then you know that you are descending, you are not feeling. Because if you depend on feeling, you'll be fooled by the appearances of men. Hallelujah. Tell somebody you need to descend. You need to descend. You need to descend. Now, now, and like I said, God opens doors, and the devil also opens doors. Now, even though God opens doors, not every door God is opening is for you. As for the one the enemy is opening, it's a no-go area from the, from the get-go. You don't enter a door the enemy is opening. But the ones that God himself is opening, not every one of those doors are for you. So in, 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 in the days of Israel's exit from Egypt, God opened a door through the Red Sea to provide a way of escape for his people. They go through this door. The question is, why didn't God shut the Red Sea after the people of Israel had gone through? He, he still kept it open because there are certain fools who must be dealt with through their entrance into a door that is not theirs. 
and the people of Egypt saw that this door was also opened. And once these people can go through, then we must, or we can also go through. Are we not human beings like them? Don't we have legs like them? Don't we breathe like them? Are we not even better people? Because these guys were our slaves. And so if they have been able to receive access into through the, the Red Sea, then so could we. But they didn't know that what was a breakthrough and an open door for one, one nation was a destructive door for another nation. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay. Now, I know, or we all know, that Jacob stole Esau's blessing. Are we on the same page? Jacob stole Esau's blessing because the blessing originally should have gone to Esau. He takes the door, enters the door that belongs to another man. Several years later, he encounters Laban. He's working hard for Rachel and he's given who? Leah. Because the man whose door he took was the man whose responsibility it was to marry Leah. Once you have entered that door, you must carry the responsibility of Leah before you carry your own responsibility of Rahel. Every door comes with its assigned responsibilities and nuances. <laughs> and so if you enter a door that is not yours, you would carry the messes that come with that door as well. It is like an anointing. Every anointing comes with issues. Now look at the Catherine Coleman anointing. The Catherine Coleman anointing is a very dangerous anointing. But check her. She had issues in her marriage. Do you see that one? And that anointing falls on Benny Hinn. And Benny Hinn has issues with their marriage. And that anointing is supposedly the one that falls or fell on Pastor Chris. And Pastor Chris has issues with his marriage. Because you can't take the, the goods that come with the anointing or the open door and leave the bad. I had an encounter. I, 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 I'm preaching something. I had an encounter with a certain... I don't want to mention his name because I have a lot of reverence and respect for him. An encounter with a certain man of God. Very, very anointed throughout Africa. In fact, throughout the world, not just Africa. Highly, highly anointed. This man has a particular issue with all his anointing. Every, in fact, about 90% of all his sons that submit to him have the same issue running through their lives. Okay, who was Elijah's wife? Okay, what about Elisha? Okay, what about John the Baptist? Because John the Baptist moved in the anointing of Elijah. And so whatever, you see, Elijah had an audacity. Elijah had a tenacity about him. He was very different from the prophets of his generation. He would say it as it is, damn the consequences. That is the same audacity and authority John the Baptist has. Repent! For the kingdom of God is at hand. And he's moving in a dimension contrary to the dimension of his own father. Mind you, his father was a priest. Just like Jeremiah's father was a priest. How many of you knew that one? Jeremiah's father was Hilkiah, who was a priest. And so, fathers, sons, pastors, no, sons of pastors becoming pastors didn't start from our generation. 
Amen? Yeah, we are not the first. Jeremiah, his father was a high priest, a very, very respected priest in his days. But look at the anointing of Elijah, the door, open door of access of Elijah, and what comes with it is the same thing that Elisha walks through. It's the same thing that John the Baptist walks through. That is why when you are designing an anointing, you are designing an open door, you've got to be ready for the things that come with that open door. Hallelujah. Now, I said God opens doors, but not every door God opens is for you necessarily. And so if you enter a certain door that is not yours, you are in trouble. Look at this scripture. Let me, let me start giving you some scriptures now. First Corinthians. Please put it up. Chapter, chapter 2, verse 14. No, chapter 16. Let's do 8 and 9 first. We will come to the, the chapter 2. First Corinthians 16, 8. But I will tarry at Ephesus until when? Talk to me until when? Talk to me until when? I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost for a great door and effectual is opened unto me and there are many adversaries. First of all, see what he says here. A great door is opened unto me, not unto us, unto me, not unto you, unto me. Now, if somebody else were to enter this great door that was, has been opened unto me, what do you think is going to happen to him? The door is open, but the door is not open for him. The door is open for me. Are we on the same page so far? Okay. Then it says, a great door and, and an effectual door. Effectual and effective virtually mean the same thing. It means producing desired effects or de desired results. In other words, a certain door has been opened unto me that when, when you enter this door, it, it has the capacity to produce results that you are looking for. Then he says, and there are many adversaries. The problem with many Christians is that we associate the openings of God to be doors that don't have adversaries. We expect that if it is God that is opening the door, there shouldn't be adversaries. But Paul is saying that God has opened a great door for me, but there are adversaries. Because, you see, you need discernment to know that the, the appearance or the presence of adversaries does not mean that God didn't open the door. God says, go and lead my people out of Egypt and take them to Canaan. And he says, I have given you the land of Canaan. Why? Were there no people in that land? In other words, there were people already there, adversaries already there, who were inhabiting the place, but it wasn't theirs. On, on was it Friday, when I was teaching on Jeremiah, I told him, God told him that I have set you above nations and kingdoms. Then I said, did God send a memo to those nations to inform them that from today I have set somebody above you? No. But in heaven, he declared that now I have set you above nations and kingdoms. So the presence of adversaries does not mean that God didn't open the door. The presence of people fighting back, they're the re receiving a rejection letter, does not mean God didn't open the door. Being told there's no vacancy, does not mean God. So when there are adversaries, what you've got to do is to fight through, especially when you have descent to know this is God that, that has opened the door. God said, go. He told Joshua, I have given you Jericho. 
go and take Jericho. Go and take it as if Jericho is just lying down for you to go and pick it. But there are soldiers, they have, they have a fortified wall, and yet he says, I've given it to you. So the presence of adversaries is not an indication that God has not opened the door. In fact, for many of the doors that the Lord will open for you, there will be adversaries. Mm. For many of the, about 98% of all doors God will open for you, there's got to be adversaries. 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. 14. To 14. But the natural man, say the natural man, receives, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man receives nothing of the Spirit. Amen. Now, when, when, you are, when I'm listening to my radio, maybe CTFM or Joy FM or whatever, and they are playing something. Now, the moment I exit Accra and I'm going to another region, I start losing access to the frequencies in this jurisdiction, in this territory. Are you hearing? And so you'll be surprised that even though in Accra, 97.3 can, can let you get access to CTFM, in another jurisdiction, the same 97.3 will let you hear something else. So it is where you stand that determines what you are hearing. Because your location is what gives you access to the thing that pertains to the atmosphere under which you are. And so Isaac, Bible says, he was in a land where there was farming. The atmosphere of the place he stood and lived was a place of farming. Which means that he himself now had become subject to the dictates of the atmosphere. Then God entered the scene and broke protocols for him by telling him, so, and the Bible says he sowed in that land in that same time and he got a double portion. Why? And that is what makes it a miracle. Because when others were doing it and they got nothing, he did it and he got, he was fruitful. He broke the protocols of the atmosphere in which he operated. And so where you are determines what you are listening to and the frequency you are able to catch. And that is why the Bible says the natural man receives nothing of the spirit. Because the spirit is in a, it's a different location with a different frequency band. And the natural man is operating somewhere else. And so when God is speaking to a natural man, he can't hear. How is he going to discern it? Why? Because it is spiritually discerned. And he says it will even be foolishness to him. That is why discernment is, is, is ultra important. Because if we are, if we are, and it's given us one of the keys to walking in discernment is to be a spiritual mind, man, sorry. To be a spiritual man. Okay. As the weeks go on, these are some of the things I'll be teaching. How to be a spiritual man. How to, how to dwell and excel in the secret place. What is a secret place? The Bible says, they that dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You know how a lot of Christians like quoting things we don't understand? They that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Can quote it, but what does the secret place mean? The fact that it's secret means that not everybody knows it, not everybody has access to it. Uh, do, do you agree? 
Not everybody knows it. Not everybody has access to it. God's approach to secrecy is not the same as man's approach to secrecy. Because a man will tell you that this is secret. You are the only one I'm telling. And blame you for telling another man the secret they couldn't keep on their own. They, the owners of the secrets or suffer, they couldn't keep it. They shared it with you and then they will blame you for keep, not keeping their secret. But God's secret, he said, it's secret not because he doesn't want you to know. It's secret because it takes systems and, and processes for a man to be able to access them. And whoever is willing to go through these routes would be able to find it. But for everybody else, it will be a secret. Now we're going to discuss four keys of open doors. Because you cannot open a door without a key. Keys are necessary. Keys are important. Keys are the tools by which we, we are given access into realms, access into dimensions, access into doors, access into anointings, access into businesses, access into different kinds of levels of growth. Keys. But you also have to understand that one key does not open all doors. One key does not open all doors. So, having mastery of one key will not in and of itself allow you to have access to every single door. For example, the key that may open business opportunities is not the same key that will open anointing for ministry. You agree? The key that may open church growth is not the same key that will open um, the realms of the prophetic. And so there are diverse keys for open doors. But I, I want us to focus on only four, because these are the four major keys as far as my studies are concerned, under which we can have a myriad of others. Amen. Number one, men. Men or women or people. Men. I know that people will tell you that once you have God, that's all. You don't need anybody, you don't need anything. It is half truth. It is half truth. Because if we are focusing on the sovereignty of God and the supremacy of his power, then you are right. That once you have him, because if he be for us, who can be against us and so you are right but if you look at the operations of God and the workings of God you are wrong because look at your Bible well there is nobody who entered the door without the help of a man there is nobody who rises without another man God blesses men through men are you hearing what I'm saying God blesses men through men. Now, God is the source of it all. That is why I've taught you that even English recognizes that God is the source and calls every other thing like gold, like fish, like humans, resources. Because they are simply, you know, other discoveries from the major source. So gold is not a source, it's a resource. We call it human resource. 
humans that have been that have come after a source. Hallelujah. And so God is the one who does it. And so the first thing you've got to understand is that the help you are desiring, it will come from God, but God will do it through a man. The first key for open doors is understanding the role of man and the role of man. You talk about Jesus. Do you know, before Jesus was born, yesterday I was sharing with Michael in my car, before Jesus was born, the Bible says there, was, there were two people who were praying and interceding for his birth. Two people. Go to Luke 2.22. Let's read down. Two people who were interceding for the birth of Jesus. The Jesus that Isaiah had prophesied and declared that he is about to be born, the government shall be upon his shoulder, blah, blah, blah. Before he actually was born, there were people who were praying and interceding for him. He needed men to, to midwife his birth. In the spirit. Luke 2 22. He needed men to midwife his birth. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 23. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man, say a man, in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same Simeon was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. 26. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. God told him that you, you will not die until your eyes see the Christ. Go ahead. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. The Spirit, look, this is, this is, we are talking about somebody before Jesus. So somebody before the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says he was so filled with the Holy Ghost, God opened his eyes and told him, you will not see death until this Christ is born. And he was led by the Holy Ghost into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, uh, Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let thou thy servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation. You keep the 31 for me. Keep, keep the 31 for me. We'll continue. Look, how did he know? Was he there when the angels, uh, sorry, the, yeah, the angels proclaimed the birth of, he wasn't there. How did he know? But as soon as he held him, he blessed him and said, God, now you can let your servant die. Because the promise you gave me that I will not die till I see, I have seen. When you operate on a frequency in the spirit, what normal men cannot see, you can see. I was telling um, uh, Michael yesterday that favor operates by sight. Do you know? <laughs> favor, you can't favor and sit at home and expect, no. Favor operates by sight, not by hearing, by sight. Every time you see favor, the Bible says that, and you obtain favor in the sight. And so when they see you, the favor on you prompts them to act on your behalf. Favor operates by sight. Now, a man who is operating in a, on, on a high frequency of the spirit can see things that are beyond the natural man's abilities. 
and he says he saw him and said now I can die wow so, so his death was linked to the birth of the Christ as long as he's alive as long as he's living and he's not dying means Jesus hasn't been born yet now and, and when, once you are told this by the Holy Ghost that you cannot die till you see Christ what would you be doing with your life he, God has just given you a purpose for your life that the only reason you are living is so your eyes can see Christ and so for as long as you are living you are preparing yourself to meet Jesus wow now go ahead 31 which thou has prepared before the face of all the people 32 a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel 33 and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him and Simeon blessed them and said Mary his mother behold this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against 35 yeah a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also that the thought of many hearts may be revealed now 36 and there was one Anna a prophetess a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Aser she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity seven years follow 37 and she was a widow of about four score and four years what is four score and four years 84 years a score is 20 so four score is four times 20 so 84 which departed not watch this one which departed not from the temple but served god with what and when 38 and she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the lord and spoke of him to all them that looked for redemption in jerusalem now this is a woman whose name is anna the bible says also concerning her apart from simeon this woman married for only seven years and her husband died and for the rest of her life she spent it in the temple bible says not going out not coming in not going to visit she just spent it there serving the lord fastings and prayer day and night waiting for jesus to be born so the birth of jesus didn't just happen just because isaiah had prophesied it it took some people it took men to be able to stand in the gap and pray it into being that is why i said the first key you need in your life to access open doors is the key of men look look at jesus now, now now he's been born now he's been living for 30 years then one day he encounters a man by name john the baptist and john just takes him and drops him into water and the bible says immediately open heavens for him was he not bathing all the days of his life no one died was bathing but he took an, it took another man to take him and do something with him do something for him do something by him that opens heaven and lets a validation appear from heaven concerning jesus but those who are here on thursday i spoke to you about a man called joseph of arimathea and I told you, after Jesus had died, Matthew says, a rich man obtained his body, took him to a freshly hewn tomb, and kept him there. And that was where Mary Magdalene and co. went, and they saw that he had been risen. They had an encounter with an angel who said, the one you are looking for is risen. So see, even in the life of Jesus, it had to take certain men, playing certain roles, opening certain doors, to grant him access into realms of manifestation that the Lord had promised for him. 
Whoever tells you you don't need a man like you. Yes, you need God, but God blesses men through men. The thing is this, if a man decides that he will not be used of God to bless you because God is the source, God will bypass him, find another man and use that man. That is why I told you from the beginning, understand that God is the source, not a man. God is the source. Whoever, or whoever is doing anything for you or whatever you are doing for people, you are not the reason. God is the one behind it. He's the source of it all. If you decide you won't do it, he will move you aside. If you decide you sing better than everybody, and so you won't sing, he will move you aside. You preach better than anybody, so you won't preach, he will move you aside. Because he's the source, he said, even if you decide not to worship, I can raise stones. Everything comes from me and flows through me. I can even use stones. Now, if stones can worship him, then you, you, what can you do that he can't raise anything else to do? Men, first key, men, 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 men. Look, the Bible says, we know the story of Saul, who becomes Paul. He has an encounter on Damascus, yeah, on the road to Damascus. Heavens open, a light shines on him, he becomes blind, and God says, I have started something, but I need a man to continue the process. So go and look for a man called Ananias. And it was the dealings between Ananias and, and Saul that fully completed what God was beginning the life of Saul who becomes Paul. I thought God would just say that um, the light has shined, now it's finished, you can go. You, you, are, you can start now. No. There has to be an incubation, there has to be a part of the process where the Lord employs men to cause the road to be open, the door to be open for you. Okay, the Bible says um, God speaks to Ezekiel. What does God tell Ezekiel? He says, Ezekiel, prophesy to the dry bones and tell them to be reconnected and start walking. When God was speaking, didn't the bones hear? Didn't the bones hear the one that the Lord said? Because God told Ezekiel, tell the bones to rise up. Didn't the bones hear that God was saying they should rise up? But they stayed in place. So the words that had been spoken by God were reverberated from the lips of his prophet Ezekiel. Then the bones started responding to what the man was saying. Because there is a place that the Lord puts men to be able to become keys for opening doors. Whatever realm you want to walk in, there are men that are already walking in. Whatever dimension of operation in the spirit or in the physical you want to step in, some people are already there. It takes men. Tell somebody it takes men. 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 You just have to be sure you, it, it, you are dealing with the right man. You, that's what, you just have to be sure you are dealing with the right man. We're talking about Peter. Yeah? Peter toiled all night, caught nothing. One man steps into the sea and says, cast your net. Immediately, he starts catching things. It doesn't stop there. Then the man says from today, you, I'll make you fishers of men. All the things you have been doing before, that's not why you are created. You are created for a higher purpose than this. Follow me. And he starts following him. He discovers his purpose in a man. But watch it. All the partners of Peter become beneficiaries of the things he leaves behind. And so they also become wealthy and rich people because of their connection to a man. Overnight. They, 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 they just walk into that realm of increase. Because Peter has left everything is following Jesus. So all the partners benefit from the things Peter leaves behind. Tell somebody, a man, a man, a man, a man. The first key you need for open doors 
is the recognition of a man. Of a man. Of a man. I went to preach in one church. A certain lady was, I mean, she was, I preached for three days. She was the one serving me throughout. Come and give me water. Do this, do this, do that, do that. I don't like those things. I don't like those things. So, so she did all those things three days. And the third day, I felt in my spirit that I should, I should ask her, what, what do you want? What are you looking for from God? And she said, you know, I'm believing God for some things, man of God. Looking for a job and uh, believing God to get married. And I said, your list is long. I said, no problem. I want to pray for you from my heart. I pray for her. Let me tell you the truth. If there are prayers men of God can pray, which are prayers to get you to leave them alone. And there are prayers men of God can pray where they know they are tapping into the resource of the anointing. I'm telling you the truth. There are people who can worry you, worry you. Oh, it's okay. Father, I pray, let there be a release in this month of August. I'll speak all the English you want to hear. <laughs> in Jesus' name. And then you say amen and then you go. And then maybe when I go back, I say, Father, this one that I was praying for him, please do it for him. Please touch him. Let it, let it happen. But there are other ones you know, you, can, you know that you are tapping into a resource somewhere. And I pray for my heart for him. That sounds, now, I went there in this, when did we go for couples retreat? Um, December. So that's when I went there. Now, I went back there July. This is December, July. That's six months, about there, about. When I went, she came with her husband to the meeting, and she was wearing GCB cloth. She's now working with GCB and came with her husband. A man. A man. Number two key is the key of consistency. The key of consistency. 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 Tell somebody consistency. Consistency. Jesus. I'll just give you two because of time. I'll give you two. Consistency. Put up Luke 18, 1. Luke 18, 1. Consistency. Listen, consistency breaks resistance, it breaks inhibitions. Keep knocking, keep going at it. I was telling somebody yesterday, you know what? God says, okay, those who diligently seek him, he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What does it mean? Seeking him relentlessly. Seeking him without knowing that I'm giving up or I'm stopping. And I told him, you can, you can go and have an encounter where you, you want to meet God. You, wanna, you, want to, you want to meet him today, God. It is between you and me. And you are praying, you've planned, you have about four hours to spare. So you are praying, you are worshipping, you are lying down, you are reading the scriptures, um, you, are, you are listening to messages all within the four hours. And then in the last three minutes, God appears. 
So, okay, now I've come. Yes, can I help you? All the three hours and 57 minutes you are praying, he's just watching you. He's just looking at you. Will, will she stop somewhere and go back? Does she really want this thing she's looking for? Consistency. The Bible says, Anna prayed day and night. Serve the Lord with. I didn't know you can serve the Lord with fasting and prayer. I didn't know. Wow. Says Anna served the Lord with fasting and prayer day and night. After seven years of marriage and the husband dies, the rest of her years, day and night. Consistency. Day and night fasting and prayer. Ah, now say day and six to six. Now you jail. How do you do day and night fasting and prayer? Wow. Have you put up? Look, okay. And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not faint. Saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust just says. He says, this woman keeps coming. She is consistent. She doesn't want to stop. She's always coming. I was telling some people the other day, and they were laughing. I said, look, if you apply for a job somewhere and they don't take you, apply every, put it in your, your schedule. Every three months, apply again. Every three months, send it there again. So within one year, you'd have sent four letters there. Within two years, you'd have sent eight. If it's not working, do it every month. By the time they get to the eighth month, they will know you by name and by face. Hallelujah. The eighth child will not have a child. What's up, baby? What's up, the full father? What's up, baby? What's up, baby? What's up, and they will start laughing at you and chatting. And then you don't, through that, through the consistency. See, it breaks resistance. You prayed two hours, they didn't find him. And then you stop. Push again. They're looking for someone. You pray for somebody and the person didn't get healed. So now, when you hear the sick are coming here, you pass it. There's, there's a man I was watching on, on, on YouTube. If you look at him, by the, what's the word I'm looking for? By the judgments of men. You, he doesn't look like somebody God can use. Because in Africa, we have the way we think that our men of God should look. No, this guy has done dreadlocks and wearing shorts with some sneakers and and, he, and you know, he has a strong healing ministry. And his healing ministry, he goes to malls and streets. So the streets, he looks, ah, your leg, come, pray, pam. People start walking. Yeah. Streets, not church, I said malls and streets. He always likes places where plenty people are there. And he looks for the people who don't believe in miracles. Because there's a dimension where your your faith does not matter in the process of the healing you are looking for. Your faith, it does not matter. Otherwise, how can we raise the dead? What is the contribution of their faith to the process of their resurrection? 
And I was listening to him, and he said, how many people did he try raising? And about 200 people, try praying for them, 190. He prayed for 190 people, nothing happened. Headache, nothing. Stomach, nothing. Hand, nothing. Chest, nothing. Say, I don't care, I'll keep going. But if his word is true, at a certain point of my consistency, the, the thing must break through. We must enter, we must permit, we must step in. Somebody preached one, one message and people love that thing that he doesn't know how to preach and then he gives up. But if you keep going, keep preaching, keep pushing, a day will come, those same people who wrote you off and say you have nothing to say, they'll hear you and say, ha, you are deep, you are deep. There is a man who, when I started ministry, had even never heard me preach before. Never heard me preach. He just looked at me and saw a young man and said, what do you know? He asked me, are you sure you know anything? I just kept, I didn't respond. And I spoke and I said, time, reveal all truths. He is in the dungeons of obscurity. As we speak now. Dungeons of irrelevance. And by God's grace, because of consistency, see where the Lord has brought us. As a ministry, the only way we can remain effectual and have access to open doors is to remain consistent. When you invite someone to church, I want you to come and listen to my pastor. There must be a message I'm preaching that is consistent. I, I cannot say this day, I, I don't feel like preaching deep, a deep message. So let me just say, Abraham married Sarah, and they gave her to Isaac, and, and the both say, my Jesus. <laughs> no, I can't do that. Because we need to be consistent. It means also that the, the, the proofs of our calling must consistently show. The testimonies must come. Last week, you heard the testimonies. And this is seven years of our branch, and we have been going at this, and, and the, the testimony keeps flowing, and they keep coming. Hallelujah. The testimonies keep flowing, they keep coming. Consistency. What is it you are looking for? If you, are, if you don't consistently pursue it, you never get it. Hallelujah. If there are times I will intentionally block my daughter out as I want, she's disturbing me and I want to concentrate to come and stand on the door. Okay, it's a battle of wills. You say you open me, I say you open me. Pam, 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 daddy, pam, 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 dad. Within five minutes, so it's okay, you come, come and say, leave me alone. Her consistency has broken my will to resist. The anointing you are looking for, you can get it, but are you going to pursue it consistently? And so Elisha says, I want something from you, the double portion of what you carry. Aish. Do you know that it's not true that you can only give what you don't have, what you have? It's not true. They say you can only give what you have. It's never true. <laughs> I know it sounds nice. It sounds deep. It's not true. Clearly, what Elijah gave Elisha, he didn't have. Did he have a double portion? He didn't have it. He had one. In fact, he recognized the gravity of the request and he told him, you have asked a hard thing. And he says, if you see me go, you receive it. Many of us, our parents have not walked in the corridors of academic or educational excellence like we are walking in, but they have given us access to it. Did they have it? My father never went to university, even though he went to polytechnic. But here am I. He pushed me to a door he never entered. 
you can you can give what you don't have there are men who the lord has made kingmakers for example if you contract them you come close to them there are dimensions they can push you into to shock you when i was young i used to think the same that you can only give what you don't have. So maybe when I help somebody in town, and it's maybe a young, an old woman, and the old woman says, so God bless you. When I was younger, I'll be thinking to my head, ah, why is she telling me God bless? Between the two of us, who needs it more? But as I matured in the spirit, I understood that that word she has spoken can reverberate in the spirit and push me further in life. Even though she does not have it, she can push me with the word she's speaking. It's the same way when a person says, Oh, bear bread. So, you, they, are God, they are people. Do you know, some of us, even our own parents, God has made them kingmakers over our lives. But some of us don't respect and regard their place in our lives. We think we went to Legon, so when we speak, when they speak, we won't listen. But a word that your father will speak over you, the places it can take you. Your mother will speak over you. The places can take you. There are many of us seated here because of the prayers of our mothers. Some of our mothers can wake up at dawn. Or when something is troubling them, they can pray some prayers. They may not have all the understandings of spiritual mechanics, but they know that as for this one, if I pray, my God will listen. And you'll be sleeping as a two-year, three-year-old boy or girl, and they are praying some prayers. And by God's grace, it is those prayers that has preserved many of us. Hallelujah. And so, don't be told that you can't give what you don't have. I've seen fathers who are teachers, they have raised prophets. How did they raise them? Consistency. Tap someone and say, be consistent. Yeah, yeah, be consistent. Be, be consistent. If this is what you're looking for, be consistent. If that's where you want to go, keep, keep at it. Keep pushing. Keep, keep knocking. Keep, it, says, it, says, it says, knock and it shall be open unto you. Did you see that one in your Bible? Knock and it shall be open. And somehow we assume that when you knock, it should be open. But within the, 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 the words of that scripture, we are not told for how long we should knock. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. We are not told for how long we should knock or for how long we should ask or for how long we should seek. Just knock. And so if you knock once and it hasn't opened, there's a problem. It means the knocking may be insufficient to demand an opening to the access that you're looking for. I'm going to stop here. I want you to pray that the Lord brings men and gives you the spirit of consistency for the open doors you're looking for. Please lift up your voice. Thank you for listening to the Apostle Josiah Aubin Jr. For more of these messages, please subscribe to his podcast on SoundCloud. It's Apostle Josiah Aubin Jr. To interact with him, like his page on Facebook, follow him on Twitter at Apostle Josiah Aubin Jr.